Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. It is Tuesday, if you're listening. We're recording this Monday evening. That means I've got Greg Barnes and Ross Martin with me. We are on the beat with Inside Carolina's Beat Riders. Guys, Monday, a pretty busy day for you, uh, each of you. Greg, we'll start with the football side first. And, and some folks have said they don't like dual programs. Well, in the story of this, I'll post a link to the midpoint when we start talking basketball. But if you want to talk about football, we're here. Greg, what I got from the press conference, uh, listening to pretty much all of them, this Notre Dame game is a big deal for North Carolina football. It, it, this is the game that – you know, Carolina, we can talk about Virginia, we can talk about Florida State, but this game right here is probably the biggest game on the schedule during the Mac Brown tenure, I think. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. And let me say this first, Tommy, to your previous point. If you're not excited about North Carolina athletics at this point of the year, uh, you need to look into the mirror and see if you're a big fan or not because – I can't I know, go to the fans. I can't talk about the fans, Greg. I know for uh, for Ross <laughs> and me, this is our busiest time of the year by far. Um, it's exciting, it's tiring, all those things. But when you're talking about a yeah top twenty five matchup with Notre Dame on Friday, you got the basketball season opener on Wednesday. Uh, that's a perfect bookmark for Thanksgiving, and so I would I would hope that everybody that's a Carolina fan would enjoy this type of podcast. Um, now to your to your other question or to your main question, yeah, this is this is an incredibly big game for North Carolina. Um, we knew this year this team was not going to be at an elite level. We knew this team was was not you know could they flirt with the potential of getting to the ACC championship game? Sure, is the hope still there? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, some things are going to have to go really wrong for Clemson and Notre Dame for them not to get to Charlotte. Um, but, you know, UNC has not been eliminated. You win Friday. Uh, you're still in contention, right? But you're really kind of building the program. You know, this is a team that was 6-6 six and six in the regular season last year, able to win against Temple in the bowl game, uh, close out the season on a good note. You wanted to get better this year, right? I think a lot of us projected UNC to go 8-3 and three this year. Um, I think they'd probably take that at this point in time, how the schedule sets up. Uh, but this is, this is the opportunity to say, hey, look, we're not there yet. We know that. We have, we have some places where we have to get significantly better. But we've got potential. And you, does Notre Dame win this game seven times out of ten, eight times out of ten? Yes. Can North Carolina win on Friday? Yes. Uh, and so if they can capitalize and do everything they need to do and can do, this would be the biggest win in program history because you know, their best win thus far has been that, non, that game against Miami back in 04, the John Bunning job-saving game on Halloween. Um, you know, the, the, the long Barth kick to, to win it was, was a good memory for, for everybody, I think. And uh, this, this game has that opportunity. North Carolina has to take advantage. You know, the defense – as bad as they looked early against Wake Forest, and they looked horrible. That's one of the worst defensive halves I've seen in a long, long time in Chapel Hill. 
they showed signs of how they can play better in the second half. You can't ask for much more from the offense, but if Jay Bateman can get some of that second half production early against Notre Dame and get this game into the second half where it's, they're not down by 14 or 21, uh, it's going to be a very fun afternoon of football for, for UNC fans. Tommy, does it feel like this game is, doesn't have – I mean, do you feel hyped up for this game as a fan? Not as much as it would be if it was full stadium, tailgating yeah. and all that. It's, it's a little weird, and Greg just mentioned it, and he's right. This is the biggest game, could be the biggest win in North Carolina program history. And it just – Yeah, and, and Clemson would have been like that. Clemson would have been like that last year. I don't know. I think it's a combination of, like, no fans and the fact that getting to the championship game is, is going to be very, very hard to do because you don't control your destiny. If this game was a little bit earlier in the season, maybe have been a little more hype. I don't know. It just – I don't get the same vibes for, for the number two team as I uh, – as I would, but I mean, I'm certainly excited to cover it. I think it's an awesome opportunity for UNC, but I think there is a little bit less hype for, for multiple reasons that I just did. Well, let's explore that a little bit because I, I find that interesting from both of you guys. I mean, this is, this is going to be a national spotlight game on Friday, yeah. top 25 matchup, uh, Notre Dame. I mean but, – But if UNC wins, it's a huge win. It's a huge win. Great win, number two programs going the right direction, but it doesn't mean anything for their future this season in terms of, you know, playoffs or, or ACC championship game. They've already lost to Virginia and Florida State, so they've kind of made their bed with, with the direction of this program unless for some reason something else happens in the next two or three weeks with, with uh, Clemson and, um, and Notre Dame and Miami. And like you said in your article, like that's going to be very hard to, to happen. Well, I don't – and, Greg, I want to get your – I don't know if the – as far as it doesn't mean much, because, I mean, they can – if they win out, they may not play in Charlotte for the ACC championship, but they – pretty good chance they got a New Year's Six bowl game. Okay. That's, that's a solid big deal. Don't you agree, Greg? That's still on the table, I think. Yeah, but I think, I think Ross's point uh, is interesting because I don't think he's alone in that belief. I think there's a lot of people that follow North Carolina that kind of have the same thought. And I wonder, if you go back to 04, for example – North Carolina was not playing for anything when Miami came to town. It was just an opportunity mm -hmm. to fill the limelight from a top 10 team. Um, and so if, if, the, if the conversation is, well, you know, they kind of blew it earlier in the year and this is not going to matter with regard to the ACC championship or to you know, a New Year's Six Bowl or whatever it may be, I think that in and of itself speaks to the progress that Mac Brown has made in short term, you know, in, in less than two years, that you know, two years ago, if North Carolina had won a game like this, it'd be a pretty, pretty big deal. Larry Fedora may still be here, right? Mm -hmm. Now we're at the point where some are thinking, well, it's not as big as it could have been. Uh, I think that's pretty telling for, for where the program has come from. I, I think part of it has to do with the defense. I know you talked about that. I just think yeah. coming off that Wake Forest game, it's like, man, we can't stop Wake Forest. You think we're going to stop Ian Book and Notre Dame? I mean, they, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Clemson. That's going to be a tough ask. I think that's kind of got some UNC fans, fans down in the fact that if your defense can't stop them, there's nothing you really can do. Because the offense has to play a completely perfect game, and you doubt that would happen against a better Notre Dame defense. Well, you look at Notre Dame and Louisville. I mean, what was that game? 12-7? Notre Dame and Louisville's trash, or has been, <laughs> or was that point in the season at least. They beat uh, Syracuse worse than North Carolina did. Louisville did? Yeah. Not that means anything, but yeah. if a tree falls in the woods, I mean, <laughs> then you, you could have said they never played. And I said, "Oh, really? They haven't played yet." Uh, you know, I, I think it's a huge deal. I just, as far as the hype, it just doesn't feel the same way. And I know our people on the message board will let us know about it, but it it doesn't feel the same as it would be, say, um, on a judgment night type situation, or even last year with Miami coming to town. It just seems different. Um, it's just 2020. I mean, I think it's the 2020 deal. Let's uh, talk about the game a little bit itself. Ross, some injury news or some healing news came out of the press conferences today inside Carolina. Yeah. Subscribers on the message board certainly have heard it, but let's talk about it. I, I think that the players that could potentially be back for North Carolina may have a pretty big impact on this ballgame. Yeah, I mean, it looks like UNC's in get – Kyle McMichael back, who missed the last two games. 
he lost three games. Um, you know, he's one of their best corners. He's in the play against Notre Dame, which is good. He's a big bodied defensive back, which would be good to go against you and uh, Notre Dame's wide receivers and bigger tight ends. And then uh, Storm Duck is practicing, which is positive. And there's a good chance he will play. There's nothing um, affirmative about that, but he is trending towards playing. Of course, Storm Duck has only played two games this season. And then, uh, so that's good. They get the two best cornerbacks likely back against Notre Dame. That timing worked out well. Um, so then if you look at defensive backs wise, um, you have Patrice Rene, you have Tony Grimes. He played 29 defensive snaps uh, against Wake Forest. Uh, Hollins has played a lot too. Not very well against Wake Forest. You have some depth now back at cornerback. Uh, they're going to get Brian Anderson back, it looks like. Though Corian Johnson won UNC's Offensive Player of the Year or Offensive Player of the Week last week at center. So you have Brian Anderson back at center. Uh, and Bo Krause is healthy and practicing as well. So Bo Krause will figure in. I asked Phil Longo about how much Bo Krause will play. And it sounds like they're going to kind of stick with what they have with, with um, Coffrey Brown, Coffrey Brown and Emory Simmons. And Bo will become a, a kind of a rotational player and mix in with them. But it's not like Bo's going to step in and, and be the man there. Uh, he's going to have to kind of earn his playing time back from two guys who have, have thrived without him there. So that is your Ross Martin injury update. Uh, I think they're huge, Greg. Let me put it to you this way. Bigger or more important? Uh, Bo Corrales and Brian Anderson return or Storm Duck and Kyler McMichael return for this game? Oh, I, I don't think there's any question. It's, it's the cornerbacks being back. I mean, look at what North Carolina did against Wake. You didn't have Anderson. You didn't have Bo Corrales. And what do you do? You yeah, set a 100. program record. Um, <laughs> but it's not Wake. In fairness, Wake and Notre Dame are on a little bit different levels. For sure. And I think – but I still think getting – if you can get your, your top cornerbacks – back um, I think we all know that Patrice Renee is not quite back to where we thought he possibly would be coming off that injury and understandable ACL injuries are, are kind of brutally tough to overcome and you know they're, they're nine to ten month um, issues that you have to you know, recover from re- recovery process um, so if you can get Mike Michael back and you can get Duck back at, at close to 100% uh, that does give you a lot more flexibility in what, what Jay Bateman can do because all the things that we've talked about this year, Tommy, uh, that are problematic for this North Carolina defense, Notre Dame has. Uh, you've got a very physical, very solid offensive line. Yes, they're down a couple guys, but uh, not their best guys. And they still have some guys behind them that, that, that people around the Notre Dame program that can step in pretty, pretty successfully. Uh, and then you've got a really good veteran quarterback uh, who makes a lot of plays with his feet. So if you can't collapse the line of scrimmage and you struggle containing the QB run game, uh, that's going to be an issue. And what does Notre Dame do? Uh, a lot of time of possession. They love to, to kind of beat you down the field. And they're not an explosive offense. I think they've had 21 touchdowns on, on lengthy drives this year of seven plays or more. Um, so North Carolina's defense is going to have to be ready and they're going to have to make plays. You know, one of the things that, that worked for UNC late against Wake Forest uh, that Mac Brown and Jay Bateman talked about was they were finally able to get some stops on first down. And so once you get an offense, I don't care how good the offense is, once you get that offense in the third and longs, then you can kind of tip the scale in your favor and have some success, even if you already have some issues like UNC does up front. Uh, Notre Dame, with the way that they play, they're going to have a lot of third and shorts. And so this is going to be very tough on that defensive front to have success. So if you can have your cornerbacks kind of play on an island so you can bring an extra defender or two uh, up front, that's going to be very important for what UNC is going to want to do defensively in this game. Yes, I remember Notre Dame – and I'll, let me get this out, Ross, and then I'll come back to you. I remember yeah, yeah. Notre Dame came to Chapel Hill two, three years ago, and Ian Book, that was probably his first start. Um, yep. and he tore up Carolina. And – now he's just gotten that much better. But the run game, Ross, is is where Notre Dame can – I don't think Notre Dame will fall into the trap of if they're running it at eight yards a clip, they're not just going to start throwing it for the heck out of it. I know that, uh, you know, Wake Forest started doing that a little bit in the second half. Other teams have done it. But I think Miles Murphy getting his hand free, I think that's pretty yeah. big, could be a big deal. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. My, that was a uh, one thing I left off the Ross Martin injury report was Miles Murphy's club 
he's been playing with a club on his fist. I mean, God, that's so important for defensive players to be able to move with their hand and grip and, and things like that. So um, Miles Murphy is now has two hands to use. So he'll be playing a lot more. And it, as his reps continue to increase, I think you'll see Clyde Pender playing a lot more. I mean, this is the ninth game of the season now. So these guys are, you know, they're kind of, as Roy Williams would say, they're, they're kind of sophomores now. Um, and you'll see, you know, Des Evans came in Rucker. All these guys we've talked about every week. They're at the point now with this bye week where, where they probably got tons of reps in, in the um, last week and this week. And so you're going to see these guys more and more and more for the next three games as they prepare them for next year. I mean, the game against uh, Western Carolina, you're going to see them tons. But, you, I mean, Miles Murphy, they really, really high on him. Des Evans has had a great two weeks of practice after not playing against Wake Forest. So um, the depth that I think a lot of fans hope they'd have on defense, I think it's coming to fruition now, especially with defensive backs being healthy and the young defenders and defensive line guys uh, being healthy and more experienced and, and getting some valuable reps. Um, Bateman just raised all these guys. He, he's ready for these guys to be great in one or two years. As he talks so glowingly about the guys that he's recruited in. Uh, Greg, what do you think about uh, Art Chansky asking Bateman for his game plan? On stopping uh, – well, that's actually actually interesting thing about how – question I thought about how, how are you going to slow down or get, get, get Notre Dame uh, off the field because they're going to want to keep Sam Howe off the field. So our chance was asking about how do you get them off the field? What's your game plan to get Notre Dame off the field and kind of <laughs> asking for his plan? It was, it was a good question on the concept of Notre Dame's game plan to keep the ball away from Sam Howe. Yeah, a bold move, right? Um... Bold move, Cotton. I think is the is the phrase. Um, yeah, you know, it's maybe maybe twenty years ago, coaches were, were more uh, willing to share that kind of stuff. But with Phil and with Jay, um, and kind of the schematic X's and O's, they're not going to let any of that any of that leak. But you're right. I mean, it's it's the story of the game, and it's it's one of those things that you can kind of tell that the difference in these programs where they are right now. We know what Notre Dame's going to do. I mean, there's no question about that. The question is, what does Jay Bateman do to counter that? And that we don't know. We've seen a lot of different things in, in UNC's attempt to shut down the run this, this year. Uh, most of the time, it has not been successful. He's done a five-man front. He's done a 3-4 look. Uh, you know, he's brought in an extra linebacker. So he, he's tried a lot of different things. You can't, you can't fault him for not trying. Uh, but when you don't have the personnel that you need, it, it makes it difficult. And so, um, yeah. Good, good try trying to trying to get an answer there, but uh, Jay shut him down pretty quickly. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I mean, Art asked him, and and Jay goes, "Art, Brian Kelly's gonna watch this. I can't tell you what we're gonna do. <laughs> what do you think we're gonna do? Blitz him a lot? Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what do you think to, to to stop the run? I mean, it's gonna be a huge game for for Chad Strat and Gimmel. I mean, they've they've had to have big games to stop these runs to fill in the gaps. Another thing I think is critical. I mean, Wake. Notre Dame has the Wake Forest tape. I mean, they know the weaknesses of, of North Carolina, and, and that's, their game plan is going to be do similar things that, that Wake Forest did to completely gash UNC in that first half. So it'll be interesting to see what changes Bateman does make um, because the blueprint on how to beat Carolina is out there. Uh, Greg, your point about McMichael and Duck playing, I, I think that's the, that's the key because if Carolina has to – you know, put five guys back, five or six guys in the secondary to defend Notre Dame's passing game, they're going to get smoked by Notre Dame's running game. And that's it right there. That's the matchup. Right. And I think the interesting thing here is when North Carolina executes flawlessly, they have success. I mean, most teams would, right? Um, and I think, I think people kind of get into the schematic element of it too much because when we talk about gap integrity and containing the edge, you know, a lot of time the guys are in the right spots. But what happens? They get pushed out of the right spots. And that's the issue. If Notre Dame is able to win at the line of scrimmage, it is going to be an incredibly long day. And Notre Dame is going to hold onto the ball and they're going to march down the field over and over again. Um, and really, North Carolina's hope at that point would be look, Notre Dame has struggled a little bit, red zone offense, let's hold them to some field goals. And hope Sam Howell comes and, and saves us once again. That's why you – that's – if you go back to the Wake Forest game, what happened in the second half, right? You have all these changes. You put Tony Grimes in instead of Day-Day Hollins. 
uh, you put Conley in and take Cam Kelly out and move Trey Morrison back to safety. So you make all these personnel changes, but you're having to rely on some of those young guys. And same thing up front. You came know, on Rucker, uh, Miles Murphy, uh, Chris Collins played a lot. <clears throat> so do you go with the young guys who maybe have more potential and are finally starting to play up to it? Although they may be more inclined to make mistakes. And when you make mistakes against Notre Dame, they're going to certainly make you pay for it. How do you juggle that? That's why we don't make the big money. That's, that's why Mac and, and Jay Bateman have to figure those things out. But you have to pair it up to where you know, if Miles Murphy gives you a perfect game, then you're going to play him. But you don't know going in if he's going to do that because one of the things UNC has had issues with this year, Wake Forest and Virginia are great examples, is when that the opposing offense does a lot of shifts and motions and does some different things where it gets your eyes off. You've got to be a savvy veteran player to know what to look for and not get caught in those situations. And as good as Miles Murphy may be and as good as Tony Grimes may be, and they will be eventually, they're not experienced enough to, to be able to nail that every single time. And that's the challenge they're up against. You know that Notre Dame, <coughs> Notre Dame and UNC have the exact same yards per game rushing. 20, uh, 233.5 rushing. They can both run the ball. I mean, I don't know. I don't have Notre any, Dame. I, you 23, 20, <clears throat> 23 for Notre Dame. What's his name? Kyron Williams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, this is going to be a, a, a battle of, of two great Russian teams. And, you know, I, obviously I haven't really dived into uh, Notre Dame's offensive line, but they have recruited well now under Brian Kelly, that consistency for as, as long as he's been there. They've had consistent, you know, top 10, top 15 type, type recruiting classes. So even though some offensive linemen are out, I mean, that is an offensive line school that regularly puts NFL guys in the league. Uh, or, or offensive linemen in the league. So, I mean, these are going to be elite offensive linemen. A couple guys are probably NFL guys that uh, there's depth behind them. Uh, and so that's that, – I mean, that's the matchup for UNC. I mean, can they handle a really elite, deep, talented offensive line that's proven they can run the ball this season? Uh, and that concerns me with, with what you have up front with what we've talked about, Rainbow Hasek, Tamari Fox, uh, Taman Fox, and then maybe some of these young guys can hop in and, and do something, Kevin Hester, Miles Murphy, Clyde Pinder, those guys. And that's where that's where it's going to start. That's why you have linebackers need to come in and make tackles. Yeah, Tommy, to, to Ross's point about the importance and the benefit of uh, coaching staff being entrenched, you know, we make a big deal about you know, Patterson and Kramer being out for Notre Dame. And it is a big deal. I mean, those are two guys that are starters. Uh, but they're replacing one of them with Josh Lug, who started last year for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's not a good thing to have you know, two of your top guys out. But when you've, you've built up the program and you've recruited well for so long, um, you, you, the drop-off is not as severe as maybe as it would be like at a place at UNC where you, you're only, you've only been here for you know, a year and a half. Tommy, uh, Jay Bateman even called out Greg Barnes and said, Greg Barnes probably has the stat on how many starts Notre Dame's offensive linemen have. 147. there. Yeah. Oh, there he has it. So Did you call him out? You said 147. No. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Jay Bateman knows that they have a lot of experience off the line, and that's a hell of a lot of starts. Uh, UNC probably has maybe 50 now, maybe, with Jordan Tuckin, Brian Anderson, Marcus McKeithen. Uh, maybe a little more than that, maybe more like 60, 70. But, I mean, that's a – when you get to the 100 starts, it's a, it's a hell of a lot of starts. Well, I we'll talk more on the game plan portion, but I, I think – my motto for that is going to be Carolyn Bateman's just got to go uh, balls to the wall on it. And try to force them. You got to try to force them into making mistakes because if they get comfortable, um, any team really, but if Notre Dame gets comfortable, they'll just do what they do up and down the field, Greg, like you said earlier. The seven drive or the, the number of drives with seven plays or more, that's incredible. 21 touchdowns, yeah. I mean, and this isn't rocket science. In these type of games, I mean, you just got to force a couple turnovers and, and make a play on special teams. That's how you get upsets. Special teams, you know, win the turnover battle, and then make a big game-changing play on either defense or special teams. And that's kind of what you have to do when you're when you're outmatched under man. And then get steal possession and, and give Sam the ball. Yeah, special teams. Wow. Last football question before we take a break and talk basketball. Who asked about Des Evans? Because that was me. Ross, you finally got the answer that the message board folks. It's funny to me how folks were not pleased that Evans did not play. 
But then when the explanation as to why Evans did not play, everybody was like, oh, yeah, love it. Great job. I mean, these young guys, to, to the point you're making about Notre Dame's consistency, these guys have got to learn to practice um, with the consistency that Brown and his staff want and expect. I mean, it's a hell of an answer by Bateman. I mean, it, of course. I mean, like, these guys are young. They're going to – I'm sure you get yelled at practice. It's probably a Wednesday practice. And Bateman or Tim Cross went off on him or something. And he didn't play because of that. I mean, you see that. I mean, that's happened in middle school basketball for me. I mean, uh, so, yeah, that happens with the young players. It's just we don't really know what's going on. So, to like, you don't want to assume certain things with these players because we're not at practice. We don't know what goes on. And, and we have less access than we've ever had. So, um, you want to go to the source when you're trying to figure out these answers. And it took two weeks. <laughs> got the Des Evans answer that our loyal subscribers wanted. That's why they pay the big bucks. Greg, before I break, you look like you, you're looking at your screen all pensively looking. You got any more football stuff or you want to jump to basketball? Um, I'll save whatever football ramblings are in my head for the uh, game plan. How about that? That'll work. Please Let's do. take yeah. – well, we got a 23-minute uh, answer for you, Ross, and you have to listen. <laughs> Let's talk about Johnny T-shirt. Ross, you want to talk about Johnny T-shirt since you – Sure. Go for it. Sure. Man, I'm, I'm loving the sweatshirts. I wore it this weekend. I went to Charlotte, wore a Johnny T-shirt sweatshirt. Um, and I got compliments from the few people I saw uh, because <laughs> of the pandemic. <laughs> but uh, Johnny T-shirt, GiantT-shirt.com, right on Franklin Street and online at GiantT-shirt.com, a great place for all your UNC stuff. You can get – you know, posters, magnets, little gifts, stocking stuffers, sweatshirts, hats, toboggans. I have a, um, a little toboggan hat I want to, to get for my uh, niece and nephew. I'm going to get it from Giant T-shirt. When I do that, I'm going to use the Inside Carolina 10% off discount code uh, found right on the Tar Pit and UNC Basketball Premium Message Boards. Uh, they've been with us for a while now supporting our podcast. Make sure you rate, root, review, and subscribe to help us. And then go to Giant T-shirt and GiantT-shirt.com to get everything you need for UNC. It's basketball season. It's getting colder. You need gear up. You need to give gifts. Go to Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Use the 10% off discount code. Uh, we're going to pay some national ads now, Tommy. Yep. We'll be back to talk about basketball. And uh, Roy Williams with the game right around the corner in two days versus College of Charleston. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ross Martin taking us out. I'll bring us back. You're listening to the On the Beat podcast with Tommy Ashley, Greg Barnes, and Ross Martin. Uh, like Ross said before the break, take check, uh, a second to rate us, review us, subscribe, and all that stuff. We're hitting some good numbers. We need better numbers. And by you subscribing and rating us and review us, it's uh, very much appreciated and helpful. Yeah, I mean, it really makes a difference uh, when you review uh, in terms of where we are in the Google search and the Apple search and stuff. So you got to rate and review, of course, subscribe. It, it, it does make a difference if you can just write some stuff and get a five-star ranking. Right, Greg? Yep. 
Greg could care less. It always matters. Everybody comes for Greg Barnes anyway. Let's talk about basketball. Roy Williams uh, saw no beard. I guess Roy is ready for the season to start. Ross, uh, do you think he really doesn't know who's starting on Wednesday night? I mean, yeah, he knows who's starting. Uh, <laughs> but he wants – I don't think he wants his players and now he wants them to keep competing. But uh, I think it's the lineup that I think Greg and I both probably – we, Greg Shrell and I we did a, a bunch of videos and, and we decided that the lineup is probably going to be Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott. You'd imagine I don't I don't know what else would happen unless Anthony Harris gets healthy, but that's what we think. And um, play tech. Yeah, what do you think, Greg? I mean, you've been a play tech guy this off season. Yeah, I think uh, I think his veteran leadership. I think his veteran leadership and the fact that Roy has told us time and time again that R.J. and Caleb are both going to have to play at the point. Um. As we get closer to game time, I'm, I'm hedging my bets a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of starting to think that maybe it's going to be play tech in the starting lineup instead of one of the two freshmen. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get your point in terms of veteran stuff, but I just, you just look at the talent. You're like, man, R.J. Davis, play tech. There's just such a difference in talent. No offense. I mean, I love play tech. He's a great interview, great guy. I love covering him. But, yeah, I mean, I think, of, I think if you go pure talent, it's, it's R.J. Davis. I think if you look at experience and veteran and maybe that stabilizing force, I get why Playtech would make sense because they didn't have a scrimmage. No scrimmages, no no exhibition games. There is kind of that newness to playing in college. Um, we'll see. Yeah, and I think, I think also your point about Anthony Harris is key here because, you know, this is – we're just kind of throwing junk against the wall and seeing what sticks. But if, if Caleb and RJ – or your two primary point guards, which is what Roy said. Um, you've got to spell them, right? So if you start them together and they play a lot together, yeah. how do you just you sub one out and bring Playtech in temporarily uh, and let the other one slide? I don't know. So those are the things Roy has to figure out. You know, he may be set on, hey, these are going to be my two primary guys, even when Anthony comes back. Uh, but how do you balance those things out? And the other thing, you know, when I – when I spoke with Anthony Harris a month or so ago, he was like, yeah, you know, I could play point two. Like, that's not out of the discussion. Uh, so you've got a bunch of options there that they can use. And he may not know. He probably knows. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you, Ross, that, that he doesn't want his players to know yet. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that it's a sure thing in his head yet. My yeah, eyes will be – go ahead. Real quick, sorry. My eyes will be on that R.J. Davis-Caleb rotation because that is interesting. One guy, I mean, you can't play – you know, take one out at one at some point to rest, but then the other guy comes in at point guard. So that rotation is be interesting. And then how how Baycott, Dayron, and Walker rotate. I mean, one guy's not going to play a lot. Walker probably won't play as much. But it'll be interesting to see the numbers in the first couple of games of how much Dayron plays, how much Baycott plays, and whether it's a situation where Baycott may start, but a couple of games in, you may be seeing Dayron finish and, and play more. And tracking that is what I got my eyes on in the first couple weeks. Tommy? Yeah, I mean, there's no ramp up either. I mean, you got a couple mm -hmm. games. I don't know much about UNLV at this point, but I was no joke. So, But let me go back to the first point we talked about, the, the senior leadership. And, and Greg, I'll, I'll ask you first. Uh, I mean, doesn't having Leakey and Garrison satisfy that for your starting lineup? Or do you think you specifically need – um, a senior or uh, upper class leader in that backcourt. Yeah, just in the, the few times we've talked to Roy this preseason, uh, the amount of praise that he has heaped on Garrison Brooks in terms of leadership has been eye opening to me. Um, you know, he talked about him being a sec security blanket today. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's repeated several times that uh, you know, Garrison's the guy that you know, if he has any questions about the team or you need suggestions about the team, it's Garrison that he goes to. Um, and so you, that's, that says a lot to me because there haven't been many guys like that. You know, Marcus Page was like that. Um, Joel Berry was a little bit like that. Maybe Penson. There's only a handful of guys over the years, though, that you can kind of talk about. You know, David Noel clearly is one. Um, I think Bobby Frazier was like that. 
so that that speaks a lot. And so, yes, that carries a ton of weight and that alleviates a lot of those concerns. I guess the question is with, and I know Leakey's at the three uh, and that technically is part of the backcourt, but, but it's really kind of a forward position. Um, and so I don't know if, if you need you know, a play tech in the, in the backcourt to kind of keep the, the freshmen settled in. Um, maybe not. Maybe I'm making too big of a deal about it. But, but certainly you're right. Having Brooks and Black in there uh, help, help with the leadership aspect and, and the veteran presence. And one thing Roy pointed out today is that whenever he has started a freshman at point guard, there's always been a – the backup has always been an upperclassman or someone with some sort of experience. You got Bobby Frazier with Ty Lawson. You had Quentin Thomas with, um, with Bobby. Yeah, Quentin Thomas when Bobby started as a freshman. Right, yeah. You had Nate Britt with Marcus Page. You've always had some sort of veteran there to kind of be some sort of security net, someone they can kind of talk to. But this year you got you – know, if we, we think we're right here, you got two true freshmen as the two point guards, two primary point guards on the roster. And yeah, to and your point, Greg, you always had an upperclassman beside them in that starting lineup. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, correct. And I was going to say, I mean, if you go back – and one thing that Roy has liked to do over the years – uh, to both your points, it's not only has he liked to have somebody that's a veteran in the backcourt with him, but I mean, look at Joel Berry's freshman year, right? When when he was playing a lot of point, it was because Marcus could slide over and play the two. And the reason why is is that Roy really wanted the freshman just to learn the point guard spot because it's so difficult. And before saying, "Hey, learn the one," and then also learn the two, there's a lot of uh, conflicting elements there. And so he always wants the, the freshmen, if, if at all possible, to strictly learn the one. And then as they get more advanced and they grow and all these things, they can start you know, shifting over to the two some. You don't have that luxury this year um, because even with Anthony Harris out, you take Playtech out of the discussion. Both Caleb and RJ are going to have to play. They're going to have to play together. So somebody's going to have to play the two. And so that's already some, some difficult aspects there. And as you said, Tommy, with this not having a lot of these easy games early in the year like you're used to having, I mean, there's going to be some good teams in, in Asheville before they even go to Iowa. Uh, so they're going to have to learn on the fly. Are you going to Asheville now, Greg? We figure that out? Yep, I am. Okay. And I think – To the Mile Invitational in, in Asheville. <laughs> yeah, we, we should be – you know, it's funny, Tommy. We should be in Hawaii right now. I yeah. know. Don't – don't. I thought about that – I thought about that a couple of times uh, this weekend. I think I just went, I think I just went down another slide at, at Atlantis this time, but literally this time last year. Yeah. We were all in the Bahamas. That's right. <laughs> um, the perks. Yeah, I think, Le- I, I, think perks. Leaky, right. I mean, I've been waiting for this Maui trip for literally like eight years. That's all right. Global <laughs> pandemic, nothing we can do about it. Um, I think leaky black. I mean, you mentioned that earlier, Greg, I mean, having leaky black there, certainly it's a stabilizing force. He can bring the ball up. I mean, he can be a ball handler. Him at the three, I mean, Roy raved about him today. That's the most glowingly we've seen him talk about Leaky Black since he was a – since he was on the team when he was a – when he was a signed a uh, high school <laughs> senior and we thought he was going to be the tallest point guard in NC history. Sensational. Um, sensational. You know, he's healthy. He's making plays that no one on UNC's roster can do. His length, his size, athleticism, he is a player that UNC does not have. He's unique in that aspect. And then he can handle the ball. So he adds a lot of things to this roster. And if he can put everything together, I mean, it, it sounds like he's going to be a, a big-time difference maker this year. And the fact that he has played some point guard, he is a ball handler. He kind of knows the deal. He can definitely help out the two rookie guards in a pinch or in, in moments where they do need some stabilization. But um, that's a, I be, I'm, I'm glued in to, to Leakey as well. I mean, he can – you knock down a couple of shots, I think you can have a, a really a really solid season and be that difference maker for UNC. With, we know they can score down low. We know they have great young point guards, but having a really good player in the middle can also help, or at the three spot, rather. Yeah, and he's got to play with confidence, and I guess being healthy will be big for yeah. him because he's – I mean, I don't think people realize how bad he was hurt and how that affected him across the board. Let's talk about the big guys. No need to really talk about Garrison Brooks. Like Roy said, uh, I think the question was, how much better can he be? Um, I don't know if that jump will be as noticeable. Um, This year, if he develops a a good three-point shot, then that's pretty impressive. But 
let's talk about the other guys. You mentioned Dayron and Baycott and Walker Kessler. R- Ross, where do the minutes get split? Uh, I know you thought Dayron might – you mentioned just a second ago, you thought Dayron might be the closer or on the court at the end of the game. Um, but I'm not sure Baycott won't have a lot to say about that. Uh, is he kind of getting lost in the mix? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, I've never seen Dayron play in person. I've never seen these guys play in a UNC uniform. I mean, I, I have no concept of, of how good Dayron or Walker or Bill, but Walker will be. But just listening to what Sherell has told me and things like that, I mean, it seems like Dayron brings an intensity and a level play from a rebounding aspect and from an offensive glass aspect that the UNC really needs. I mean, I think, I think it's really going to push – Baycott to, to be a better player. I think it's it's awesome that these all three these guys are going to be there at the center position. Who comes in for Garrison? I think is also interesting. When Garrison needs a breather, do they go two? They go two centers, two really big guys. Go Dayron and Baycott, um, which would kind of give you some issues maybe on the defensive side of things. Or do they go small and move uh, you know a three guard lineup and move Leaky to the four and play a center? Because I mean Baycott. Brooks can't play 40 minutes. He's probably going to play closer to 30 minutes this season. So that'll be interesting as well. Um, and then how much Walker plays, I'm also interested in. But, I mean, I'm pumped for, to watch Dayron. I mean, I'm pumped. We've heard about him for two years. Committed early. Um, huge, athletic, runs the floor. One of the best rebounders as, as a freshman that, that people have seen, apparently. So, I'm just interested to see, uh, see these guys on the court, see what they can do. Greg, you think Roy balances it, or you think Garrison plays 35, 36 minutes? Um, that's a good question. I think in games where it's required, he'll probably play more. I think on the average, he'll be closer to 30. Um, you know, I do think, I do think that's a great point about, you know, what do you do when you take Garrison out? Um, I think the fact that Roy acknowledged that he's even tried Garrison at the three a little bit unsuccessfully. Um, (laughs) I just don't see, I don't see that. I don't see it either, but, but that does suggest that maybe there's somebody who can step into the four and play. Okay. Um, but I think the issue is going to be, you you have so many of these teams that, that basically play a small lineup. We know Garrison can slide out on the wing and defend. That's not going to be an issue, but if you've got a good shooter, that's going to step out and knock down some, or at least threaten to knock down some outside shots. Who's going to fill that void? I mean, is Baycott going to do it because he's a year older? Is Sharp going to do it because he's so athletic? I think we all probably in agreement that it's not going to be Kessler. He'll be kind of the true five. Um, but that, how those guys handle that will determine if Roy has to go with a four. Um, I, I do think uh, – I think the fact that Baycott is, is back, and he's every time that I've talked to him, which Grant's only been twice, uh, but he's pretty adamant – that he wants to make he wants to make amends for last year, and that he was really hurt last year. Um, he played well early when he was healthy, and just never could get back to that level. And the fact that you uh, he went and met with Caleb Love this summer, and the reason he did that is because he wanted to work out with UNC's potential starting point guard to d- develop that rapport, because he wants to make sure that UNC bounces back and that he has a better year this year. Um, and so I think with Brooks and Baycott, if those guys can play solid early, you really allow Kessler and Sharp to come along slowly. Now, as we get to February and March, you know, they'll have plenty of time by that point in time to kind of show what they can do. And maybe they do take over. Maybe they are the guys who are going to play a lot alongside of Garrison. Um, but just having that luxury of having Baycott initially to let those guys come along at their own pace, I think is very beneficial for Roy. Yeah, I think I think Baycott's great. I mean, I, I, people have been bashing him. But I mean, he had a he almost averaged double double last year. It's not like he is he's chopped liver. I mean, he's a five star guy who's very talented player. Had a I would say an above average season that you would expect for a five star freshman. So he's certainly good, and I think it's great that him and, and Sharp will be battling for minutes. It probably helps both of them. They can each kind of play twenty twenty two eighteen minutes per game. See how that shuffles down. But um, yeah, in no way am I am I saying Baycott's not gonna playing he's gonna be playing a lot I just I don't know if at the end of the game or in the season whether they start one guy over the other we'll see about that if Dayron if Dayron Sharp is better than Oregon Baycott then you got something Uh, I mean and Roy will go with the the older player if it's a tie yeah I mean because Baycott before he got hurt against Oregon we saw it up close now he got destroyed the night before that against Michigan but the if he can play like he played against Oregon in the Bahamas, 
uh, yeah, Carolina, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, and to, to Ross's point a minute ago about the depth, the benefits there, think about the last year. You had Brooks and Baycott. Who were they going up against in practice? Justin oh. Pierce. He was the backup. Walker, Walker Miller. Walker, Walker Miller. Miller. Yep. Um, so you put Dayron Sharp in there and you put Walker Kessler in there for five weeks. That's a significant change, and that's yeah. going to be beneficial for everybody involved. It will be interesting to see if they ever go small because they have a lot in the last two years. And with the thing where, where Garrison, what happens when Garrison comes out of the game if they move Leakey to the four? Because he's 6'8", man. He, he is a, he's a small ball four in the NBA, his size. So we'll see what um, if Leaky Black plays any four this year. I, I doubt we'll see much of that because Roy likes to go big whenever he can. So if Carolina goes small, then who's out there? Assuming Anthony Harris is not healthy yet, who's the small – Who's the small lineup with Leakey at the four, Greg? Oh, you've got a lot of options. I mean, you, if you want to go crazy young, you can put Poffer, uh, Walton at the three, and then put RJ and Caleb in the backcourt. You, know, you can put Playtech in there. And when Harris comes back, you've got tons of options. So I think, I think the three spot is we haven't talked about it much. We haven't talked any, about any today. But we've talked about some in the buildup here. Well, that's interesting because you've got Walton primarily is going to play there, maybe some at the two. Uh, Puff's going to play there, and Leakey's going to be there. And so, I mean, you've got a lot of depth across the board. I mean, you're talking about in the backcourt, you got Caleb and RJ and Playtech and Harris when he comes back. Those are, those are four good options. You've got three guys at the three, and then you've got the, the guys in the post like we've talked about. So Roy's got tons of options with how he wants to – set up this rotation. And I wonder if those, that ample amount of uh, options that he has, if that's one of the reasons he's still kind of scratching his head about, we're just going to have to see how rotations plays out because he hasn't had exhibition game. He hasn't had scrimmages against other teams. So he hasn't really been able to play around like he normally would. What's the yeah, chance I mean, that Roy Williams plays five freshmen at one time? In, in any particular moment. Yeah, like I think we could, see, we could see that. We could see a Love, Davis, uh, Puff, Dayron, and Walker for sure. I don't know how much we'll see it in games it's, that matter, but – It's not I mean, a stretch. A, yeah, it's not a stretch yeah. to see them on the, on the court. I think that small ball lineup you, you're talking about, Tommy, would be, would be Love, Davis, Puff. I think Puff, Puff's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, too. I mean, he is a – he's a bit – and he's apparently bigger and broader than Cam was – maybe at the same age or is going to be a little bit stronger and a little bit more physical. And you go leaky at the four and then Garrison or Dayron or, or Baycott at the five. That'd be your small ball lineup there. A lot of options, Greg, let's, let's get close to wrapping this up. And if folks haven't watched um, Greg and Ross and Sherelle McMillan on all the preview podcasts and all the different stories, the player reviews and all that, the 10 takeaways or storylines, you need to check them out. They're right here on YouTube. Um, and they're right there on the podcast channel as we well. Got, we got a bunch more I got to write in the next three days. Yeah, so you still, got, see, like, you still got stuff dropping. We as we six get. player previews to get out in three days. So They're all on YouTube, though. They are already all out for consumption. We just got to put them into content so we can get some clicks on them. Gotcha. So a ton going on here. Like Greg mentioned earlier, this is a, a wild time for Inside Carolina's beat writers covering. Greg, just looking at the schedule a little bit. Um, Duke's already canceled or their game's already canceled Wednesday night. How is Carolina's basketball schedule shaped to deal with those type issues? Is that – are they going to do it similar to that they've done with the football schedule as, as far as trying to wiggle room, make up games and all, if this all goes sideways? Do you know the plan? They did, they did not construct the schedule to allow for that. I mean, if they've – as we've talked about before – they pushed back the start of the season by a couple of weeks, but didn't change anything on the back end. Um, you know, Rick Patino has been up in arms, emerged from the dead or wherever he came from, um, <laughs> talking about, you know, have, have May madness. You know, wait until the new year uh, to start the season because things have already kind of popped up across the, across the country. And as you mentioned, you know, Duke's season openers has now been delayed. Uh, but when you talk about 20 ACC games, I mean, the first game is 22nd, and then second game is December 30th. Uh, it's pretty much rapid fire. You know, typically, teams get one 
I call it an open date. It's not really a bye week. But that's the second week of January for UNC, and that's it. I mean, it's solid from there until the ACC tournament the second week of March. So, no, they, they have not built it in whatsoever. Um, now, early in the season, you've got you know, the opener on Wednesday. Next week, Monday through Wednesday, you've got the Maui Invitational in, uh, at uh, Cherokee Center <laughs> in Asheville, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, and then you've got, you've got a little bit of spacing there with Iowa on the 8th and Elon on the 12th and then CBS Sports Classic on the 19th. Um, so you can navigate that a little bit. But then you get into, I mean, like the Maui Invitational, that's a big-time contract, right? ACC Big Ten Challenge, that's a big contract for the league. CBS Sports Classic, that's a big contract for UNC. So do you reschedule those if something goes wrong? Um, I, I don't know. So I don't see a lot of wiggle room, especially in the ACC part of the schedule, if something goes awry. And so uh, that will be something fascinating. It was such a big deal to your point in the football scheduling that, Hey, we've, we've got to make sure we've got wiggle room here to move these games around. And they're very fortunately fortunate that they did. They did not take the same approach with basketball. Uh, Greg, uh, 20 games. You think over under 20 total games UNC plays by the end of the regular season. So that's the 27 on the schedule right now, over under 20 total. Who? Um, I'm going to go that. under. I would have, you know, if you'd have given me a, an over under of eight football games, I would have gone under. So maybe they're going to hit, the, they're going to hit that this, this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. So, yeah. Which is nine. crazy. I mean, it's impressive. They did. Sorry, yeah. They'll hit nine. Yeah. I made a bet. I made a bet uh, with a buddy. They would play five. I, I bet over and I, I got 50 bucks off of it. He think he's probably going to play less than five. So you think out of 27 basketball games that North Carolina has scheduled, you're going to go under 20, Greg? I'll at, go the current, at the current rate of how things are progressing right now, I'd say under. Interesting take. I mean, there's going to be games missed. Um, My question is, and uh, this is another – it's a rabbit hole, is what's the protocol for games missed? Because Dabo Sweeney seems to think it's a little bit different than it is on the football side, but then – Gardner-Webb has an issue for Duke, and they're canceled. I mean, Greg, has anybody said, if this happens, this gets canceled? No, and, you know, if we go back to the football, I mean, it was very subjective in terms of what determines if a game could be canceled, right? It was basically, you've got to have enough offensive linemen to play. Otherwise, it's really up to you. <laughs> um, and so when you're talking about 85 scholarships on football compared to 13 for basketball, I mean, if you're, if you're missing two guys, so you're missing 15% of your team. Um, I mean, that's, that's equivalent to missing what 12 guys on football. Um, and look, if one, if one player gets it on your basketball team I mean, the whole team is going to be on, on, um, on, on tracing contact tracing, cause they all hang out together. They all live together, all hang out together in basketball. Or football, I mean, there's like a walk-on. Man, the walk-on doesn't even – the quarterback doesn't even know who the walk-ons are. <laughs> like, I mean, the walk-on – like, if certain players get it, there's a good chance the whole team doesn't get it. So, basketball, though, man, these guys are hanging out. Video games every night. Half of them, they probably live, all live together in a certain way. I mean, all the freshmen are living together. We know that. So, it's just uh, – but, but also, Greg, they're built in. We have that – players are off campus starting, like, Wednesday until January 15th. So there's a six-week bubble where UNC, where most schools can really bubble up without any parties, any, um, you know, any, any, any uh, girlfriends here, any, anything like that. So um, that's what's going to help the season at least get started, I think, is that six-week bubble all of, all of December and most of January. Yeah, we talked about this back in, in August when the COVID stuff, the guidelines and all that came out but mac brought it up again today and i think it's worth uh bringing up again is the way the acc has their guidelines set up if you test positive you from the the point when you exhibit symptoms you're out like 10 days but contact tracing is 14 days yeah. um so i mean you look at that i mean look at the the first two weeks of well they got to buy that. Last two weeks of January, Carolina plays five games. 
So you know, if you've if you've got one of these teams involved, uh, potentially missing five games. I mean that that's significant. And there's like I said, there's no wiggle room in the schedule to to adjust for that. It's almost like all right. I have to sell out 14 days. Give me COVID now so I can at least play in these next two games because I only have to miss 10. Yeah. All due respect to those affected. It's, it's bizarre how, how it sets up. But, yeah, I mean, so my question is, is it more important to win a basketball game or is it more important to get the money that comes from playing in a basketball game in 2020? Greg. Well, if you're not going to allow any fans, um, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I, I do think – I'm not to change the subject on you, Tommy. <laughs> but I think the Clemson-Florida State situation is fascinating. Uh, granted, I don't have to cover it, so I can look at it as a, as a fun observer from the outside. I think both sides make valid points. Um, yeah. You're talking about one player. One player who exhibited symptoms during the week, tested negative, practiced – and then finally tested positive, you know, I guess once they got down there. And one player blew up that entire game. And everybody's blaming <laughs> one another. But I, I don't know. I don't know what you do in that situation. I, I was trying to ask Mac about it. I didn't phrase it the right way. I was trying to get Mac to comment on what Dabo said today. But uh, Dabo hey. wants Florida State to pay, him for the, to pay them for the travel expenses. So $300,000? That was yeah, that? $300,000? The bus is pulling out of uh, – of uh, FSU Stadium, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I, don't, I don't make light of any of that stuff because it's serious business. I just wonder what happens if Florida State was fifth in the nation versus sure. Would that have gone down like that? Right, and that's the thing. <laughs> they didn't want to get beat by sixty. That's the prevailing thought. And they would have gotten beat by sixty, especially At with least. Trevor coming back in his first game. And and, and, and Florida State's out, out a bunch of players too. If they make it up again, they might get beat by 100 if they play it this year. Let me, uh, one more question. Greg Barnes, what are you doing going to a golf course and, and getting, like, harassed by your fans? How did that go down the other day? It was, it was certainly not harassment. <laughs> no, it, it's, uh, it's, it's funny because when I started doing this job, yeah, I, just, I was a writer. That's all I did. Um, and the longer that we've done this guys, and I'm sure you've, you've encountered the same thing, but people get to kind of learn your voice. And if you look funny, like I do, they kind of recognize your face. Um, and so there've been, there've been countless, countless times where uh, people have come up and been like, Hey, are you Greg? And I'm like, yep. And uh, it's nice. I mean, it's always, always enjoy meeting, you know, people regardless of where they are. But when it's you know, somebody from IC, uh, I think that's a blast. I, the funniest story I have of any of those is my family and I, my extended family, we got together uh, up in Blowing Rock. I mean, this is, I don't know, four or five years ago. Uh, and so there was probably 20 of us. And we going out to dinner. And in the middle of dinner, I'm telling some story to my family. And this other big group comes in. And an uh, older gentleman recognized my voice, of all things. And uh, he made a <laughs> super big to-do about it. And I, I haven't lived that down yet with my, my brother, so that's, that's pretty funny. That's funny. See, and then Ross gets recognized by the stash. I mean, you got Sam Howell digging the stash. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. These are I YouTube and I, I didn't even Zooms. ask him a question. <laughs> the you know, YouTube and Zooms are getting everybody recognized. Here in the uh, office earlier today, right after Roy Williams' press conference, I'm sitting here. Someone just comes into the office, opens the door. <laughs> And it was like, hey, man, stop by. Love the podcast. Uh, love what y'all do. I've been a subscriber since 2004. I mean, he's probably listening right now. So he listens to every podcast. So um, shout out to that guy. But <laughs> he came into the office. I was like, uh. Did you give him some free door? stuff? <laughs> no, nah, I don't see anything around here. But, uh, yeah, he, he says he uh, hangs out near here. And just stop, stop by. And I, this is the first time I've been in the office. This is before March. My internet was being wonky, so I just came in here to get some stuff done. And, uh, yeah, fans are everywhere, man. They'll find you. We, yeah, we love it, too. They, they pay the bills. And they are, for the most part, at least somebody doesn't come up to you, Greg, and go, hey, man, you suck, like if you were doing something else. I, that has not happened to me. The voice thing has happened for sure. 
Um, I have to be careful at football games. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you guys are tucked away in the box. That is, that'll do it. It's been the On the Beat podcast. We've covered the waterfront, uh, Carolina and College of Charleston, Wednesday night. I guess you both will be there covering. Is it yeah. nosebleeds and zooms? Is that the coverage protocol? It is, and, yes. And then, uh, yeah, Notre Dame, I have no idea. and then Notre Dame on Friday in Keenan Stadium. Should be a huge one. Rate us, review us, subscribe on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, however you get it, and on uh, YouTube as well. Give us those five-star reviews and ask a question. Maybe we'll ask it of our celebrities here on the Inside Carolina Podcast. Greg and Ross, I appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.